Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the Dadhood podcast. This is episode two with Hamza Ahmed. He's a youth worker for the Islamic Network and also runs an organization called Bonsai Trust, which helps parents be better at parenting. Uh, and in this episode, we talked about his journey towards youth work, what led him towards that type of passion. The conversation also turned towards me where he asked me what is the aims behind dadhood and explaining uh, my, my thinking behind it. We also talked about handling toddlers with myself. I have one toddler and he, he has two toddlers. Uh, and so just trying to understand how that process all works. Uh, and also we talked about how we are always trying to improve as parents or that we should look towards improving as parents and never being stagnant with our knowledge about parenting. And finally, we ended on talking about how lockdown has actually had some negative effects when it comes to the family unit, especially when it comes to fathers being angry. And that this is something that as fathers we don't talk about a lot is about controlling our anger. Um, so he had a lot of advice and some expertise and some experiences to share about that so please do watch the rest of the episode and don't forget to subscribe and to like and to share this around Daddy. Dad. Dad. all right alaikum. we've got Hamza in the building here mashallah tabarakallah and uh, the way I'm going to introduce it, I'm going to start doing a tally chart now for the guests that come on yeah to see how young of a father you are in comparison to how many kids you have uh, and obviously the younger you are and the more kids you have, the higher you climb up the ladder. So I think um, you're, 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 I think, I think you're, Hamza, you're breaking the, the record at the moment. We had Taha before. I didn't, I didn't find out his age. I should know his age because he's my friend, but I'm sure he's a bit older than you. Uh, maybe only about a year or two. And he's got three kids. Uh, but you, mashallah, are 27. Yeah. And uh, mm. you've got... You've got two daughters, mashallah, tawarakallah. Um, so I think I think you're at the top. So let's see how the weeks go and we see if anybody beats you. This kind of like, you know, like Top Gear when they, they, they used to have the, um, the leaderboard for the people driving around the, the track. Is this a good competition? Yeah, why not? I think so. I think we should be competing to have more children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you mean maybe from the angle of uh, making sure that Couples aren't too young when they have children. Is that what you mean? Yeah, but also actually, um, maybe we'll speak about this a bit later. Um, from the angle of giving children their rights, so for the first True. couple of years, and um, you know, like they've got emotional rights, they've got caring rights, they've got. This guy just went so rights. deep already, man. We we just started the podcast, man. I haven't even. I've not even finished the intro. I haven't even, you know, finished my Saturday. <laughs> this guy's going so deep. Khair. All right. So yes, Hamza. Um, and uh, you've got two children, mashallah, and you're 27. And we'll go into the deep stuff in a second. But I think it would be good to explain how we met. Yeah. And uh, I guess that gives people a bit better of a background of yourself, too. So uh, back in 2015, I think it was. Um, so, wow, that's like six years, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was around this time, I think. Maybe, maybe um, was it December or January? Was we it 15 or 16? I think it was 15, because it's December 15, I think. Was I already married? when? No. Okay, cool. 15, it, it was 15. 15, yeah. yeah. So it's December 15, and uh, I get a message on WhatsApp, like a chain message, about this Umrah group, okay, that's going on Umrah. And at the time, I was looking to go on Umrah. I had maybe just started my becoming more practicing at that time. 
And uh, some of my friends want to go Umrah as well. So I forwarded them the message. I said, guys, look, there's an opportunity. If you've got some money, let's try and do it. And then uh, I, I think I, I'm not sure if I made the call or I sent an email, but somehow I got on the phone with you. Yeah. And mashallah, you did your good sales pitch to me. Yeah. And <laughs> you basically got me through the door. And I think, do you know, what? I think the first time you spoke to me about it, I kind of flogged you off and I was like, nah, 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 I'm not really on it. But then you like, you pushed me and then I found out that one of my uncles uh, worked with you in the, in the same Umrah group. And so that kind of pushed me more. And uh, so I told my friends, look, let's just do this one. Uh, and, uh, and, and then we went for Umrah and, and then just before we went on Umrah, I think I met you in person at uh, a conference uh, that I think you and the Islamic Network team were organising, um, Steps to Allah conference. Those were like classic um, back in the day, man. They don't happen anymore. Yeah, yes, pardon, man. Those were um, first one that we had was about ten years ago, twenty eleven, I think. Wow. Yes. The score of time fly, man. Because you, I think, by the time I had, I think the one that I attended was maybe like number six or seven or something like that. So we had one twenty eleven. No, I think we had twenty ten, twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and then we had a gap for a couple of years. And then we okay, had 2014, 15, 16, and then we haven't done it since. Alhamdulillah. Okay, alhamdulillah. Yeah. But yeah, I met you in person then, and then we went on Umrah together, and alhamdulillah, you are our guide. And I think um, that Umrah definitely had an impact on me, man. Like, I looking back did. on can, it... Can you remember the conversation we had <laughs> when I spoke to your mother? Well, that was at breakfast as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I remember you we were just speaking, and you were like, yeah, I'm struggling, I need to get married, yeah. And your mother was like sharing because I was like my wedding was like planned. So that was in December. I got married in February, the following yeah. February. And yeah. your mother was sharing a room with my wife's mother, my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so I heard a few things from that side too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you told me about it, and straight away your mom came downstairs or something like that. <laughs> and I was like to her, auntie, auntie, um, where in Mecca? Can you make me a promise? And she goes, yeah. I said, Shay wants to get married. Yeah, but he said, he said, he said that you, you think it's, you know, too early for him. Um, I think he's ready. <laughs> she goes, yeah, um, he, can get, he can get married if you find someone. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, you changed my life, bro. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it really began, man. The whole kind of taking marriage serious after that Umrah. I made a lot of dua mm. during the Umrah trip. And after that is when opportunities started to open up for me to, to, to meet with Walis and whatnot. Um, and then also kind of the level of practicing as well, kind of taking it up, focusing on Salah, focusing on Quran, focusing on studying, knowledge. Uh, it all kind of came after that one. And looking back on the Umrah, I don't think, like I did definitely take the Umrah seriously, but I didn't have much knowledge about Umrah and going there and doing it and what are the sunnas and whatnot. Um, and obviously you guys really helped out with that. But looking back on it, I don't think I had any idea what I was doing. But uh, the next time I went Umrah, alhamdulillah, after I got married, which is kind of ironic because that the first Umrah was about me trying to get married. And then the second time I went is when I went with my wife. That one, I think, alhamdulillah, was much better because I had more knowledge then. But yeah, jazakallah khair, bro. You like, uh, yeah, you, came, you came through, man. You came through. And now you're are here you still, on dadhood. <laughs> are you still in contact with Maruf? Maruf? <laughs> I don't know if we need to be telling any stories about Maruf on here, man. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely still in contact with him, and he's still up to his 
antics, <laughs> mucking <laughs> antics. Alhamdulillah. Khair, so for coming on. Um, because uh, I think we'll, we're going to have a good fruitful discussion and uh, we're going to kind of see where it takes us. I don't really have a strict plan for what we want to discuss. Um, but I think kind of branching off from there, uh, from, from what you've been doing. So you're obviously inf- involved in doing Umrah guides and uh, taking people on Umrah and helping them out and things like that. Uh, but alongside that, you're doing things with Islamic Network, which was a lot more youth focused work. Um, so how, how does that kind of tie in for yourself? Where does doing the youth work, doing the Umrah work, is it just you're trying to do as many Islamic projects as possible or are these two things more closely related than, than it seems? So now with Umrah, I do one tour a year. Um, I take people for the whole month of Ramadan. Um, the whole Umrah thing is more for me now, um, in the sense of I go every year in Ramadan anyway. Yeah, um, even since I've been back, um, going for Ramadan, doing we do 28 days in Mecca. Yeah, we do the first three nights in Medina, 28 days in Mecca. When you're there in Ramadan, it's it's an experience that nothing can come close to. Um, and also when you look at transformation, yeah, um, transformational um, projects, stuff like that, the level of transformation you can have in terms of impact on someone's life. Um, I think when you're there long enough, I'll give you an example. If someone can't read Quran, yeah? Yeah. that 30 days when the Iman is on a lifetime high, yeah? um, it's Ramadan, um, you're at the house of Allah, um, and you've made some sacrifice to be there. Um, you can do a lot in that 30 days. So I've seen people, they couldn't read Quran. By the end of the 30 days, they can read Quran fluently. Um, the habit of taking maybe just a salah, um, seriously, by the end, like, I still speak to people today. They're like, because last year we couldn't do it, and we might not do it this year as well because of the lockdown. Um, they're like, yeah, I haven't missed this a lot in the message since, you know, um, and that's powerful. You know, that's, that's very, amazing. very powerful. And that's and you're only out there for two weeks, right, maximum. No, no, no. When we go to Ramadan, well, we go. This is the Ramadan one. Sorry. Oh wow. Yeah, that's next yeah. level. Then yeah. That's the only thing I do, um, and also the way that it's not. For me, it's not really a business thing. Um, yeah. So, like, it's it's very affordable for people in the sense that, um, yeah, it's very affordable for people. Um, what you paid to come for 10 days, I think, the whole Ramadan costs less than that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's very, very affordable as well. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, enjoy, um, you know, being a part of someone's transformational journey. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. But yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that kind of, so you're, you're, the passion that you have is to kind of give people that opportunity and give them a pathway to transform um, and, and allow for that, that path to be, for them to be able to see that path for themselves and take that journey. Like I can see that's where your passion is. I'm guessing that's, that's where your passion to work with the youth comes in and your passion when it comes to being a father as well is, comes from that kind of basis of wanting to be able to provide for somebody else some sort of transformation uh, that, that, that you can give them the opportunity for? Possibly. Um, in terms of youth work, it's very personal for me. Like, um, okay. I won't go into too much about my past because it's not from Islam to 
whatever Allah had hidden, it's not from Islam to make that apparent to people. You know? mm. um, but what I can say is, um, I remember at the age of about 15 or 16, um, I wasn't going to school. It was a GCSE year. And I had been kicked out. Um, and I was still going out every day. Yeah? And one day my mother just cried to me and she's like, Hamza, please stay at home today. Yeah. And I just felt bad, like, putting my mum through that, you know. Um, and there were a lot of other things happening in the background. Um, and then I said, okay, I'll stay for one day. That one day became a week. By the end of that week, I just changed my number, deleted everyone, deleted everything. But we come from a, like, my mum ensured that we had an Islamic upbringing, you know. Okay. Like, we were going to, like, share Khaytan's classes when I was, like, two years old, yeah. Um, Mashallah. And stuff like that. Um, did Arabic for GCSEs and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, okay. And then another two years pass, um, and one of my friends, um, who I wasn't really very close to, until after I started practicing, um, yeah. He was like telling me, that, "Hamza, you switched up your life. You know, I need to change mine too." And this was in Ramadan, and I looked. Ramadan is a perfect opportunity, and that Ramadan we were doing it to care for the masjid. Yeah. Um, and I said, look, I'm in this masjid. Um, you're welcome to come down whenever you want. And he didn't really message me. And then someone else comes to the masjid that I'm in and they're like, Hamza, you need to open this newspaper, read it. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm doing it to cap. I don't want to read the newspaper. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, you need to read this. I'm like, okay, he's insisting, let me read it. Yeah. And it's like a whole page spread that he died, he got stabbed That's in the heart problem. and he died. You know, um, and just that Ramadan, he was like, I need to, you know, really change my life. Um, he yeah. died. Um, the second thing was um, a couple months passed by, and another one of my very close friends, who actually got married not too long ago, um, he also was on life support machine. He got stabbed seven times. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't in contact with him for a few years. But the minute I heard that, I obviously went to the hospital. I stayed, of course. went to the house every day, etc. Um, and then another couple months passed by. I'm watching a prison documentary, and it's this guy fighting 20 guys in prison. This HMP Wandsworth, I think. Yeah. Um, and again, another one of my close friends, like from from the past, you know. Um, and yeah. then another one of my other friends. He's in and out of prison, and while he's in prison, he's speaking to me. And I, I really got thinking, like, so we lived three doors away from the masjid. Um, at that time, there was a good community around there. We had football every day, etc. I have three older brothers. When I sort of wanted to change my life, um, I didn't need friends. You know, like, I've got my brothers. I've got the guys that come to the masjid. I didn't need that. Yeah. The guy who passed away um, when I was in it, in it to Kaf, um, he's a good guy, like, the way I met him in school, actually, how we made a sort of relationship was he borrowed my gloves. He's one year older than me. And everyone was scared of him. Yeah? He, bor he borrowed my gloves and he ripped it. And he gave it back to me. And I said to him, nah, I don't want these ripped gloves. Take them. <laughs> he actually sewed them up himself and he gave them back to me. No way. Uh, yeah, I remember once we were on an estate and we were playing football. And he kicked the ball into someone's like window and it broke the glass. Yeah. A normal young thing to do is just run, yeah? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knocked on the door. He insisted to find out, be involved in the repair thing and whatever yeah. it cost. He, and the lady, she was a nice lady. She didn't want him to pay and everything like that. Yeah. He had like 200 pounds. He just gave it to us. He goes, wow. use that for you. 
But like these were people like generally speaking, I don't think it's very hard to say that someone's a bad person. Like most people have their good sides, they have their vulnerabilities, etc. Yeah. yeah. Um and I was just thinking, and obviously Hidayah is only from Allah, yeah. What was it that allowed me to, you know, what made it easier for me to change that these yeah. guys don't have? You know, some yeah. of them, the parents are very practicing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I realized that. I had a real community where I was. Right. You know, I had three older brothers. We had the message was like, the brothers from the message are really active. You know, um, literally from the day that I started practicing, I was attending like five classes a week <laughs> and then doing like 10 hours of Arabic every week. Like literally, you know, um, in South London, you had a lot of like stuff. There was Sira class one day a week, Tafsir class, Hadith class, you know, just different classes throughout the week. That's your... Uh, Medina University right there man yeah like it was like good good classes we were going through books and everything um, and it's not even just going through books even some of the um, the, the mashayikhs that were teaching it they were quite experienced they weren't young people they were experienced that they yeah. were older they, they really taught you how to live not just going through textbooks you know? yeah a lot um, of tarbiyah as well as well as text and stuff exactly exactly and even Sibili I remember one of the Sibili's I went yeah. to it I wasn't even practicing <laughs> um <laughs> But my mum made me go to it, yeah, um, okay. ultimately. But it's, it's, that's what we had access to straight away, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that was when I was like 15, I think, we went. And this was before it was even like heavily publicised and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had that community, you know. Um, and I realised that these brothers didn't have that. They really didn't have that. So initially, we're talking a very long time ago, when we started the youth projects, um, it was like... So um, let, me, let, me, let me just track back on something before you carry on. Because I think mm. a significant point that you said right at the beginning was that mm. your mum told you to stay and you making the decision to listen to your mum led to a lot of these uh, kind of kind of lessons learned and, and, and kind of kept you away from being in those kind of bad situations, right? Like that was You could say that was the root of it. And, and I just want to touch on that because it's, it's like it's something... It, it maybe out of the, the 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 whole story that that you have to say about this, it might seem like a small part, but that maybe small part was was kind of kickstarted by a parent, and obviously with us being parents now, you start to notice where the small things that you might do for your children could potentially lead to very big outcomes and impacts for their life and how they carry out their life. So is, have have you ever reflected on that point and seen like? how things went because of your relationship that you had with your mom. It's a problem without a doubt. Um, and actually it gets a bit more stronger as, okay. as it goes. So one of the things that happened, so I went to a sheikh that we all know, um, he's got a big organization. I was like, yes, I want to run some youth projects and I run it under this organization. Huh? And he's like, okay, speak to that guy. And that guy goes, speak yeah. to this guy. <laughs> and he sent me back to the sheikh and the sheikh says, come to this event. Um, and you can speak to me there with a family retreat. Okay. Um, and at that time, my, my friend who was a life support machine, he was um, he was just able to go out. So his wounds wouldn't get infected and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I was a bit annoyed. I was young. I was like, they're just powering me off. <laughs> I ain't going. And then one of my other friends, Dr. Akhand, um, what a beautiful brother, um, he... He just goes to me, look, my wife and I were going to go to this. My wife can't come. We've got a room. 
like, why don't you come with me? Yeah, and you yeah. can even have one more person in the room sleeping, etc. And then my yeah. parents ended up going to that retreat as well. So okay. I went, and then the brother who was on life support machine, he he shared with Akan, and one okay. of my cousins also shared with him as well. And we all went, um, and I was doing the retreat, etc. And then Islamic Network had this meeting, yeah, it's like for new volunteers, Sheikh Abu Salam, he was running, he still is, mashallah, um, yeah. He was he was there and he had like a new volunteers meeting at Family Retreat. And Dr. Akan was an Islamic Network volunteer. Okay. But back in those days, the family retreat, right? They um the food was like in a tent and it was it was a bit raggo, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go now, you've got a proper like five star experience. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my friend, because he 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 didn't want to get infected and stuff like that, yeah. We had to eat out every time he went wanted to eat so right. i ring up dr akan and i'm like listen um we need to eat we're hungry are you are you free he's like no i'm in a meeting come to the meeting i, I literally gate crash this meeting yeah? <laughs> and by the by the end of the meeting um i remember sheikh Abdul Salam, he said to the brother who was running it like the logistics he was making your deputy about me Okay, uh, we're back after some technical difficulties there. But uh, Hamza, you were mentioning how you got thrown in the deep end and Sheikh basically said, make uh, Hamza your deputy for this Islamic Network project. Yeah, and I was like, so the brother spoke to me after about it and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and he was like, why not? I'm like, no, I've got some, I've got some plans with like youth projects that I'm working on and you're not a youth organisation. I remember I've been back and forth with a different organization trying to do it. And I was like, then he goes, he asked me questions about the aim and stuff like that. And cut a long story short, he's like, yeah, it can be a, you know, a part of this having network and it can, you can focus on that. And then he got me ready for a 30 second pitch. Yeah. And then Sheikh Abu Salam was just walking there. Okay. Um, and he's like, yeah, go speak to him. Um, literally at the time. And within 30 seconds, he's like, yeah, we can do it. Um, and then within 11 days, I think, of that, we had our first night mania. That, um, that was born out of your idea prior to Sami Network? Yeah, and also some other projects that other people are working on um, okay. in other mosques and stuff like that. Um, and we just, yeah. Um, Mashallah, and then we that's had sick, man. Because that's, that's obviously, night mania is obviously flagship project of Islamic Network, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, just before lockdown, we had a night mania where 80 youth attended. That's crazy, subhanAllah. You know, um, you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So yeah, um, literally, and that's where it all started. Um, alhamdulillah. And then myself and the sheikh, we became very close. Yeah. Okay. This was in like February, April, that Ramadan. He literally invited me to stay with him. And the whole month I went for Ramadan then. And my mom came with me. Um, when the sheikh and my mother were speaking, the sheikh, um, my mother told the sheikh, well, on this time, I saw you on Peace TV and I made dua that my son becomes close to you. Wow. Yeah. And I attended family retreat. I wasn't planning to attend it. I didn't want to attend it. Um, I gate crashed a meeting. Um, yeah, I really believe it from my, my mother's dua, you know. Um, I really strongly believe that. Um, and then me and him also became very close, actually, you know. Um, Literally, within a few months of meeting him, I was staying at his house for the whole month of Ramadan. And even actually a couple months later, I went for Hajj with him as well, with my mother. So like, yeah. That's amazing. Qadar Allah. The way that Allah plans things, subhanAllah, that's amazing. Wow. And uh, 
I mean, I, I don't have words on It's like, like, you know, that's uh, obviously things, things just like work out like that. Uh, but yeah, so to, to, to track back a little bit again, uh, you mentioned how uh, the brothers that, that you found were going through those kind of difficulties, ending up in prison or ending up um, uh, being killed or being, you know, wh- wh- whatever kind of issues that they were facing, that you felt like they didn't have a community around them. And the fact that having a community was like so important to you and obviously to your uh, well-being and, and staying away from any of those difficulties that they were involved in. And that, to me, reflects then again back to the role of parents in in the family unit and having a strong family unit and having... Uh, parents who are willing to be involved in their children's lives and be and, and who want to make a difference to their children in terms of making sure that they're getting the best opportunities, and and I don't mean to say that from the angle that uh, there's parents out there that want bad for their children. I don't think there would be any parent that that wants their children not to succeed. But you find that there are parents out there who don't know how to or or struggle to put themselves in a position to make their children succeed. Um, and so that's where you kind of get this, these kind of phrases of like having an absent father or having, you know, um, you know th- those kind of phrases where the father might, might still be around, but it's not, maybe he's not doing his, his job in the way that would allow for those children to see those opportunities of success the same way that, that, that you had that. So just reflecting on that point, like how, how important did you think that was in, in that journey for you of having that strong family unit? And um, yeah. how, how does that kind of, now that you're a parent, how differently do you think about it as well? Firstly, before we get into it, I do want to make a comment, yeah? Um, yeah. There are a lot of single parents, yeah? And um, family unit can mean many different things. If you look at Imam Ahmed, yeah? Um, his father died when he was 10 years old, mm. yeah? And even when he was alive as a military commander, you know, how much time could he really give, you know? Um, his mother raised him, you know? Yeah. Similar stories as Imam Malik, Imam Abu Hanifa, um, even um, Imam Bukhari, you know? Um, really, the mothers did a lot to raise them. And sometimes when we speak about these things, I feel it can make some, some, of the, some people from the community feel helpless, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and really they're not you know um, one thing I've realised is it's not it's not parents that raise a child um, they have a big role in it don't get me wrong um, you could say they're like yeah they have a big role in it um, one it's Allah <laughs> obviously, and that it might sound cliche but it's really that we don't have control over anything only Allah does yeah mm. um, but the community plays a big role okay and what I find with some of the single parents um especially with the work we've been doing, um, is I've seen a lot of children or young men um, come out, and young women come out from single parent households and still do very, very well because the single parents, they utilise the community, like the things that are happening in the community, they utilise it. Whereas sometimes the parents that come from quote unquote, whatever that means, stable households, yeah, um, yeah. they don't utilise it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, and, and, maybe the single mother or the father, um, they come out better off because they're sort of forced to really, really um, 
focus on that their, responsibility focus. and yeah exactly mm. exactly and i've seen it with both you know single fathers within single mothers etc i've seen it um a lot um so that's the first thing that i say um okay what does a stable, stable household actually mean right and i th- and the, and there's also trade-offs of every decision you decide to make um and that's i think something important for us to understand as parents i've seen it um sometimes and i'm not saying this is bad by the way it's just a trade-off um and i'm not saying it's good either um i've seen youth that are doing very well academically um they know lots of quran um, the parents are strict with them on that they push them to do that but then the trade-off might be that because they were very strict that they they don't have confidence yeah um and i'm talking about confidence with yourself personally mm-hmm. you know the root cause type thing and that lacking confidence ends up being that they don't know how to deal with peer pressure yeah because they don't have confidence of their own it might you know later on you t- they just read things a completely wrong way um they try they struggle to cope with difficulties you know it's right. it's everything's there's every everything had a trade-off um it's one thing i've noticed um but for me what parenting and taking parent as you know with bonds i trust we focus on these type of things um yeah well, just explain what bonds i trust is briefly yeah um so literally the minute my daughter was born <laughs> and working in youth work and realizing how ignorant i am yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and struggling to find resources for parents right. um we set up an organization called bonsai trust mm-hmm. um it's been slowed down a bit because of lockdown um but the long-term aim is you know for it to be there to support parents um mainly through community and education okay um, what's what's like yeah. the unique thing about it like i'm sure there's other organizations out there that are trying to help parents to be better parents but what what is like the the what did you find that that you were trying to fill in like the gap you were trying to fill in with bonsai um you have a lot of classical texts in arabic with certain things to do with parenting you have yeah. a lot of western things as well um when you look at an islamic angle to everything the foundations are very different you know because it comes from spirituality that's where it starts um you know you got your raw you got jannah you got jahannam that's the reality of it you know um and the angle to um the islamic aspect to things um the way that some something that's inspired by allah right um it's not there you know um but then even from a generic parenting perspective the things out there i wasn't like they're a bit like media i felt they were a bit mediocre not that our things are awesome and, yeah. you know we're, we're trying um but yeah i just found and there were things that i was worried about and i'm trying to find books and this and that um and some of the books are actually um quite old some of the, some of the best books that i've seen um they're they're not actually new they're very very old books um and the other thing with bonsai that's maybe slightly different so a lot of the resources uh definitely i think as parents we always need to read <laughs> about about parenting um but a lot of them were on they weren't available digitally okay um you've got to pick up a book you've got to know the book and then you read the book um 
and in the modern day i don't think a lot of people do that unfortunately you know um so from a digital perspective as well i think it's important to, to just have that as well okay that's that's amazing uh we'll inshallah obviously direct people there because i think it's important especially um some of those who are going to be listening to dadhood is they're obviously going to be looking for that this you know they're gonna that type of audience will, will want all of that and i, I definitely will, will want to check it out because i haven't i haven't visited i've obviously i know about bonsai and i've been seeing the types of events you've been putting on in terms of workshops and educational workshops for parents but i haven't gone through your resources so that would be very useful at the moment we're like testing things okay um, okay that's why we're doing the workshops um okay, we're okay testing that makes sense. the best type of resources etc and i think Toward the end of this year, we're gonna start putting um, a lot of a lot more resources out, inshallah. Where did the name come from? It's interesting. <laughs> You're gonna laugh, bro. You know, um, you watch Karate Kid growing up. Yeah. Can you remember one of them, Mr. Miyagi? Yeah, this like tree that I think some of the Cobra Kai lot broke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you see at the beginning, he's like mending the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of one of the Karate Kids, it's that same tree. And it's this beautiful, massive tree. Yeah. Okay. And the youth are the same. We're all the same. Not just the youth. Well, I I think we're youth as well. Yeah. Um, we're we're all we're all the same. Like we have we have difficulties. We have broken branches. With love, with care, with guidance. Um, if the if the foundations are strong, yeah, then we can bear a lot of fruits. You know. And Inshallah. that's a bonsai tree. The tree that he was nurturing was a bonsai tree. That's very and poetic, that's where, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the name bonsai is. Yeah. It's interesting. Now that I think that's a perfect name. Um, and it's a good, a very good analogy for for the whole aspect of parenting and nurturing children. Yeah. Um, and you use words like that, right? Nurturing. Like when you try and grow in the tree, you, you, you talk about nurturing the tree and making sure it's getting enough water and whatnot. It's the same thing when it comes to children. Uh, so maybe um, biologists are better parents. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, coming on to yourself and like your experience then of um, being just this, one moment. Yeah. Okay. You want to go back to your point? Yeah. Sorry, because uh, no, I interrupted you, you, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You've asked. You've asked a lot about myself. You know. I think I'm your second guest. Yeah. Um, what is dadhood, bro? What's the aim so of it? When I saw it... You're turning wait, it to me now, so I'm being interviewed, yeah? Wait, wait, wait. When I, when I saw it, it reminded yeah. me of kidhood and adulthood. Yeah? <laughs> These two films that maybe a lot of people growing up watched, yeah, in London. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of that, yeah? Um, that is that's that's uh, that is um one of the influences of the of of the title there. You're right. So you've got a movie influence for Bonsai and I've also got movie influence for dadhood. Yeah, man, because... um. I was just really, I was just thinking about like, how do I make fatherhood sound a bit different and make it seem a little bit more appealing? Because fatherhood can sometimes sound very like a very boring word. And I feel like sometimes it has a lot of negative uh, connotations attached to it as well from just how society has made fatherhood seem um, with, you know, a lot of negative stories out there. So I thought, you know, and you normally when you say dad, dad, it, seems like more of a positive word than, than the father. I don't know what the psychology is about it, but these are the things that I've observed. So I just wanted to kind of turn that into, into something like that. But then also, yeah, I was thinking about, okay, so you go from kidhood to adulthood, but then you also enter dadhood. 
and uh, Alhamdulillah my wife actually helped a lot with the name and the logo design as well um, so you can see kind of how like the father and the kid are walking through dadhood and kind of yeah. going through that journey in a way so that's that's where where that came from have you got more follow-up questions uh, for this what's podcast the, what's the aim <laughs> what's the aim what's the aim for the podcast like Anaya, thanks for asking so the aim behind it um, is to encourage uh, young fathers to feel more comfortable in their role or even those who are soon to be uh, young fathers, young dads. Um, and, oh, uh, of course, I mean, uh, uh, loads of different people may watch this podcast, whether you're somebody who's not married, you're looking to get married, or either somebody who's married with like, kids who are now, got, you've got grandkids as well, so your, your own kids are much older, uh, probably mothers as well, sisters, etc. would be watching this. But um, the, the message behind it is that brothers who have maybe young kids, or who are expecting to have children, they're able to find some sort of benefit from our discussions. And the 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 aim of of dadhood, what it's not the aim, well, what's what's not the aim helps us understand what it is the aim. Um, so what's not the aim is giving you parenting advice and giving you. Uh, child psychology advice and exactly how to raise children because I'm definitely not an expert in that. I only I have two young children, alhamdulillah, one's two and a half and one's nine months. I definitely haven't had all the experience in the world to be able to tell people what to do and what not to do. Um, but what I am comfortable explaining is what my experiences have been so far because what I didn't see whilst I was going through marriage, the pregnancy, the birth of my first child, what I didn't find is people like me telling me that things are okay and these are how, these are how things can go and alhamdulillah i had good support like people f- like yourself at that time when when my wife was pregnant you did give me a lot of support and gave me a lot of advice and also other brothers as well um uh, like Usman I've done an interview with Usman on another podcast before but he was somebody who gave me a lot of advice as well when it came to these kind of things so i'm I'm happy and I'm glad and grateful to Allah that I had brothers around me to do that. But uh, I know not everybody has that kind of community. And the same thing that you were saying, that community is so important. People giving you advice is so important to the kind of decisions you make. And sometimes people don't have that and they can end up making the wrong decisions or going down the wrong path. And so I'm hoping that this can, in a way, turn into a sort of community for those young brothers so that they have something to listen to and they can feel more comfortable about going through uh, those particular experiences. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So um, so really something that people can just, if they're going through something, they know that other people are also going through it. Um, And also maybe some of the things that we picked up and learned um, that, oh, actually that's a good idea. Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Like, practical type thing like I know exactly it makes sense it makes sense and Even I want to bring best... I want to bring on guests like like yourself and others who are going to have inshallah that are a bit more experienced than me because selfishly I get the advice first and then it goes out to everyone else or at least I get yeah. I get to learn a bit from you guys and everybody else does too um and and also it, you know it then allows the, the the listener to sit in my shoes, you know, maybe they're in my shoes where they may be a bit more younger, maybe less experienced when it comes to raising children, but the guest who's speaking has a bit more experience and can help us out in that way. So, you know, that, that that's also part of it. Mm, you might have the wrong guest this week, bro. 
<laughs> I can tell you, I can, one thing I can tell you for a fact, yeah, is um, there's things in parenting that I guess you're always learning your whole life, yeah, um, but I make mistakes every day with my children, yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think perfect parenting exists, um, and I don't think you can be too critical of yourself, so something else I've realised, um, especially when kids are going through their terrible twos, yeah. Um, <laughs> Right. Um, I'm going through that right now, man. Uh, Issa's a bit of a maniac, man. Like, uh, <laughs> subhanAllah. He will, there's times when he, as soon as he wakes up, the first thing he says is, chocolate? 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 And I'm like, what? You've just woken up. Like, you didn't say salam. You didn't say, I need to go to the toilet. You didn't even cry for milk or, or anything like that. The first thing that comes to your mind is chocolate. So that that's one thing that we're trying to, like, stamp out of him because... Like when at the beginning when he was saying all of that, if you didn't give it to him, he would throw a tantrum. Now, alhamdulillah, like we've been able to change that word around and and give him something else that? instead. How did you end up doing that? What was the process in that? Oh, look, you're trying to make me reveal my secrets here. Was <laughs> <laughs> that the point of the podcast? <laughs> okay, so so um, any any time that he would say that, first what we tried was just ignoring it. So we tried to basically. Uh, just not pay any attention, go do something else, go take him somewhere else, basically just uh, distract him and not address it at all. Um, that was helping, but we thought something else else still needs to be done because his chocolate was still in his mind. So instead, we'll try and give him something else that would make him f- like feel a bit satisfied, right? Because he's asking for chocolate because he, he wants to taste something in his mouth, right? That, that's, that's, that's essentially what it is, yeah? So um, we thought like, okay... Instead, we give him maybe like a little block of cheese or give him like some some yogurt or give him uh, just something else, like a small snack that would help him stay a bit occupied. And that that together with ignoring him saying chocolate has has kind of worked and it's helped. He still says chocolate here and there, um, but but it's kind of it's kind of died down. He used to. Yeah. Like he would just come up and punch you, man. Like I was like, where did I come from? (laughs) Yeah. My younger daughter. So and our older daughter. She's out of the terrible truth stage, yeah. She's Alhamdulillah. Like, yeah, so, so well you can survive it, yeah. Like I can see you. You still look healthy. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna survive this terrible truth stage, yeah. Yeah, but my younger daughter, she has, she's weight. She's different, bro. Like I was like, yeah, it was alright. We got for it. She's different. So I think she's going through maybe what your older son went through. Yeah. Um, like she's at the beginning of that. Like she will, when she pulls a tantrum, she pulls her own hair. She'll Ooh. slap you. And you don't know what she wants actually. Um, right. Okay, so she's not a saying. She'll be like, no, no, no. You, she'll be like, and say she does something, and you're like, okay, then that's fine. Yeah, and you just then she goes, oh, I want to say sorry. Yeah, I'm like, okay, come and say sorry. She's like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, come and say sorry. And then she's like, then somehow you got to sort of ignore it. I'm not good at that. It's something I need to improve up definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm like the big kid, yeah. I'm probably more annoying than they they are themselves, yeah. Um, you push them, so I'll I push them sometimes, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just out of pure entertainment, yeah. It's not even a deep type thing, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be just to, um, and so I think it's wrong actually, work. yeah. But this can be something that I probably need to work on. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're trying to teach them, but they're not that they should learn anyway. Like they're yeah. not they're not gonna fathom like, the lesson. 
Exactly. It's, yeah. And teaching happens more after seven anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is something that I definitely struggle with because, especially when you're working with teenagers, you're always thinking about this program, that development. Right. Um, right. Right. So, so sometimes you with your youth work, you find it hard to disengage when it comes to your own yeah. children. Exactly. It's interesting. Um, and then. And they're nowhere near that stage, yeah? They're like two years old, three years old. Yeah? Um, <laughs> you got like spreadsheets and, out for them already. Okay, tracking their development. All right, did they, did they, did they attend? Not like, uh... <laughs> not like that. Um, just, yeah, they, they just don't understand concepts, yeah? Um, so sometimes I annoy them so that they can learn patience, yeah? <laughs> um, when they're angry and they can overcome the anger, yeah? Um going to get some comments uh, down below, you know, they're going to be saying, whoa, this guy's a toxic parent. Why is he <laughs> annoying his children? Um, but to be honest with you, it's something I probably need to improve on, yeah? Um, okay. with the older one is very different to the younger one, yeah? But then, again, everything's a trade-off, right? Um, everything's a trade-off, you know? Um, maybe it will give them some patience, but then it would also, um, you know, make them get annoyed by me. Yeah? Um, yeah. So, yeah, hers is really different. Like, she's very different to my older daughter. Like, she'll fight you and it's hard to know what she does. So we're in that process now with her. What's the, craziest, like complete... what's the craziest tantrum she's had? And what was it about? Like, the, the most odd tantrum? Bro, they happen every 10 minutes, man. Like Seriously? Over nothing? Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It could be something like... So we could be watching something, yeah? Yeah. And she's sits in the way she's opposite she's, she's actually similar to me she's got a very stubborn character and you tell her to do something she'll be the opposite yeah um she's very very like she, she wants to fight authority yeah um okay. which is fine yeah um to an extent um so if i say to her come if i say something simple i said to her, come and hug me she goes, no i'm like okay don't hug me and then she'll be like i want to hug you her, but then but she's got a sister that's one year older and her sister will come and hug me and then she'll fight her sister. She'll like pull her sister's hair out. She'll like, this is like every 10 minutes, yeah. Um, when we're at home. It's at the moment, it is a struggle. I ain't gonna lie, you know. Um oh my I'm sure I'm see my daughter, is, she's 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 only eight, nine months, so I don't think she's she's not really at that stage to to fight or to to understand yeah. like the um, like I, if you're doing that, I want to do it. She does kind of follow Issa around, and she wants to do things that he, that that he's doing. But she's not like a feisty type yet. But I'm I'm guessing that's gonna start coming after like one after she turns one. Maybe maybe not. Like they can be different as well. So my my older daughter, she's not like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's very sensitive though. She's very motherly. She's very sensitive. She's very like she gets upset. Like if you you know like I like, say for example. If I kissed my younger daughter, or if I said to my younger daughter, um, oh, that was very good, because she did something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's something that helps a lot, a lot of encouragement, yeah? Mm. Um, a lot of encouragement and just and just noticing what they, what they did that was good. So whenever I encourage her, and I'm doing it because I want her to stop the tantrums, yeah? Um, my older daughter will come and be like, oh, Papa, say this was good for me, you know? Um, <laughs> but, in, but in the sense that there's a bit of competition there, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in a very innocent sense as well, a um, bit of both. Um, so they're very different. So your daughter might not be that feisty at all, okay. you know? Um, they might not, my older daughter's not at all, to be honest with you. Um, the younger one is like complete opposite. 
Um, but they're very competitive. They're very, very competitive with each other. They, 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 com- they compete for like your love or your attention. Everything. Man, there's everything. only one year. Okay. There's one year between them. So say I'm, say I want one of them to put my dirty socks in the in the washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> I have to give parenting them hacks. Each. Parenting hacks. So if anyone's listening, you don't have kids yet. Yeah, get kids so that they can do your laundry for you, innit? <laughs> no, no, change everything into a game. Like change everything into a game. Um, Inshallah. Yeah. Um, so before I'd give two socks to like the pair of socks to one of them, right? And now I have to give one sock to one and the other sock. They, they compete over it. They, like, they, they compete. And you have to be who can, just... Who can right? get yeah. their fastest? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, but they're very competitive. Um, but it's parenthood. I guess you'd be patient. And actually, what for me, good parenting yeah, is trying to improve all the time. Yeah. And what that means practically is, you know, just reflect on what you do. Um, it's fine. We all make mistakes in everything we do. Yeah. Um, whether in life or just as parents, we all make mistakes. And it's yeah. fine. It's absolutely fine to make mistakes. Yeah? Um, and sometimes we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, just reflect, you know, and try and improve. You might not improve, you might improve, but at least try and make the effort to improve. Yeah. You know? At least read about something, at least listen to something, at least ask someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah? If you're not sure, just ask someone. That can really help. Yeah. Um, speak to someone about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, if that's you can, true. Do you, do you know that's uh, very interesting because very recently I was speaking to uh, a good friend of mine who who's basically like an he's he's an uncle like his 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 daughter is like the same age as me yeah but he's a he's a good friend of mine and uh, he he was sending around how the conversation started because he WhatsApp me a message that included a Google form link um, which basically. Uh, asks you to fill it out in terms of evaluating him and his character so I clicked on it and it's got questions like um, what do you think I do well in this situation what do you think I need to improve on in this situation so it's a couple of different questions about evaluating yourself and I was really surprised because he's uncle age yeah like 50 60 years old and he's doing these kind of things in terms of wanting to improve himself and wanting to evaluate how he is at that age normally you would only find people maybe up to 30 years old maybe 40 max doing things like that because maybe they have certain career aims and they want to know how well they're doing or maybe they you know they they want to you know self-development is a big thing right now yeah so maybe they just want to kind of develop their character in different ways or their skills in different ways you generally find the younger bracket of people doing that um and and you find that the and people who are older, which is natural, is that you start getting stuck in your way. You know, that you don't really want any change when you're older. You're, you're comfortable mm. with who you are. You're comfortable in your skin. You don't think that there's anything that needs to be changed. And that's natural. This is, it happens with age. But is, and so I think it's very rare to find somebody of that age um, to go out and send people this type of questionnaire to, to evaluate himself. And I asked him, so we had a call after that. I was really intrigued. And I asked him, like, what made you do it? And he said that every time something major happens in his life, he always does this. Yeah. So when he gets a change of job, a change of career, he does this. When, uh, you know, after having children, he he, he done this. Um, and right now he's kind of like, uh, he's starting a business. It's going to kind of get started soon. And he's going through a self-development course with uh, uh, with somebody at the moment. And so because of that, he's, he's done it again, right? Um, and he kind of reviews this all the time. I was just like, 
I was like, you're inspiration, man. Like I'd want to, at that age, always be evaluating myself and trying to better myself and improve myself. And I don't want to get to like, you know, my kids are maybe 15, let's say. And I'm like, yeah, I've done 15 years. I know exactly what it is to be a parent, you know, um, you know, within a couple of years, they're going to be at uni uni, and they're going to go off and get married. And I've done my job. Like, I wouldn't you know want to be gonna that. Do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to start what a new podcast. It's going to be called Granddadhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a copyright right now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's important, bro. Like, how do you become a father-in-law? How do you become a mother-in-law? How yeah. do you become a grandparent? That's really yeah. important, you know? Um, like, these... No, it's so true what you're saying. Life is a transformative journey, you know. We all have transformative experiences in life. Yeah. And we have to, um, in fact, if you don't, honestly, it might sound a bit harsh. I think if you don't, if you can't acknowledge that, like, it's a bit like, you know, it's it's not it's not the way to live. You know? Yeah, um, it's true. That, that kind of bring it back to that point that we started with, yeah, is taking people on a transformative journey. And it's not, it's not just for that moment in Ramadan in Mecca, you know. I remember you telling us when we were on Umrah. Yeah, so back after another technical difficulty, this is what it's like with virtual podcasts, man. Um, but I was saying that the, the advice that you gave us on Umrah was basically along the lines that you're not going to be in the same environment when you go back to London. Yeah, you're not going to have that that same uh, aspect of being so closely connected with the masjid, with with the whole Islamic environment, um, because things are obviously just different. It's just not the same in London, of course. Um, but you're going to have to maintain your level of of salah. You're going to have to maintain your level of drawing closer to Allah. And you might not be able to do that to the same amount, but you're going to have to try and keep, you're going to have to try to continually improve yourself no matter what situations that you are put in. That was kind of like the advice that you gave us. And so you would say that's like, obviously in the same case when it comes to parenting, um, you're going to have that. Like throughout your journey in parenting, I'm guessing, yeah, I haven't got there yet, but things are going to keep changing and there's going to be other difficulties that are going to come in the way. And maybe you thought at the beginning of your journey, you were being great as a parent. And then five years down the line, you're like, oh, what have I done? Like, what are my kids doing? I need to fix up. And if somebody doesn't realise that, Things have changed in your life. You can't apply the same principles a few years ago to here. And so you need to transform yourself. You need to improve yourself. You need to evaluate yourself on what you're doing. Like prior to marriage, okay, you could go and link up with the boys whenever you wanted. Now you've got curfews, you've got kids to look after, etc. And so, you know, maybe maybe I'm just ranting here, yeah, but... Um, but uh, that, that's the reality of it is that you have to adapt to your situation and adapting uh, sorry for going on a on, on a bit of a tangent but adapting is like something which is deeply rooted in the sharia like the way that our uh, uh, the islam is created is that it can adapt itself to different times and different scenarios and different situations uh, and different types of fiqh can be used in, in different time zones and it, throughout history in a way right um, and so it's part of the religion itself is to adapt itself with the core principles attached. And I and I would use that in the same way when it comes to parenting. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you have certain core principles. But as you keep moving forward, you have to find ways to adapt and transform and continue going on that journey in the best way you can. 
I guess like your principles five years ago are the same as they are now, but not in a serious way. You know, I'm talking about a day to day on a, you know, um, your principles of a two year old kid are going to be the same as a seven year old kid and a 14 year old kid. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, um, you, you have to always develop and change. The only real serious principles are, you know, worshipping Allah, right? Um, after that, like, you've got to do what's correct. You've got to be sincere in that. Um, yeah, man, you can't, you can't. I, that's why I always say the thing, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually a message to myself before everyone. Yeah. Um, like, I think I'm an opinionated person. Um, I try not to speak about my opinions. I think you're an know, opinionated like, person as well, bro. <laughs> yeah, but... I know I'm ignorant at the same time, so I don't like yeah. to speak about my opinions um, because they're going to change. Like, you know, they're going yeah. to change. Um, and it's actually really funny because when you look at social media now, everyone's documenting their change. Yeah? Um, you know, like some YouTubers have been around for like 10 years now, you know. Yeah. Um, not that I ever really watched them anyway, but like someone like, because I'm, I'm into, actually I won't say that now. Um, <laughs> someone, Someone like, if you look at someone like, I don't know, Logan Paul, yeah? Um, you look at his, I think, what, what was he doing with his vines? He was doing back then, just silly vine video. Yeah, yeah. To like a massive podcast now where he's having really serious people come onto it. Yeah, like, he's like, it's funny seeing it documented anyway, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think, I think we, as long as we're trying to please Allah and we're trying to take our responsibility seriously, um, and we're sincere about that. We do it with substance. We don't just change like cells, you know. Um, yeah, we should. We need to sometimes, um, yeah, develop and change and uh, adopt yeah, yeah. adopt ourselves, you know. Um, but I also do think as well um, something that's really important that comes in line with that might sound random is that we need to have ambition as well. Yeah. Because um, how can you adapt? Be adaptive if you don't know what you're being adapted for. Yeah. Um, like what do you adapt adapt to? What do you adapt? Why do you do it? You know, I think if you if you have a goal, if you have ambitions, whether it's your personal life, your marriage life, your family life, um, whatever it might be, a business, um, community work, voluntary work, um, you need to have ambition, you know, um, and that's and then you hit the purpose to adapting, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know why. Otherwise, when you adapt, you'll just be everywhere. That's what I think. It's true, bro. Yeah, and either you'll be everywhere, or you'll be stuck in the same place, and everything else will be moving around you, and 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 you'll be stuck. Um, so just to end off, bro, we've been talking for a while now. I don't know how long this episode has has been going, but alhamdulillah, it's been a good conversation. Um, how has how has lockdown been, especially like? with the kids and stuff like how would you compare it to your your are you, your are you working, are you working from home i'm working from home yeah and i have been since so, the since, since first lockdown okay so i'm there like my office is like a 30 minute from um from my house yeah Walk. yeah um and i'm here most of the time by myself yeah um so lockdown's not really affected me too much okay um, your routine other, other is than, pretty much the same it's pretty much the same um but it's affected our work a lot. So since September, um, youth work for vulnerable youth has still been able to carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really felt lockdown fatigue. 
And I never felt it because before then we're sort of in our own bubble working and my life sort of carried on. And when we started doing programs again and reaching out to the community again, I realized that straight away there's a lot of lockdown fatigue going on with parents, with youth, with the children, etc. Um, I've noticed people being in the same, like they're fed up of not being able to go out properly, um, being in close, you know, sort of close proximity to each other. Like right now, you wouldn't probably be able to have proper empathy yeah. with someone that's got, I don't know, four teenagers that all have their own opinions, that all want to do something differently and that will yeah. fight about it, that will, like, like an adult, not like a, you know, a child, yeah? yeah. Um, and, yeah, just working there's, with you. There's actually, sorry to stop you, but you're, you're right because in terms of the, the part about not having empathy on that, not just of that, but there, there's so many situations in lockdown that I've heard that I've not thought about, right? Like, even no. even if you take like a, um, a very common non-Muslim related situation of a boyfriend and a girlfriend, yeah? They don't see each other for months and months and months. Like, we would not even think about that. But for them, that is like so important and so significant that they haven't been able to see each other for, for, for that many months. Look at another angle, maybe even parents who are separated and the kids who you would usually go and visit both parents, like their situation has also been affected and it's become hard for them to do that. I know that there's ways around it, childcare and whatnot, you can have bubbles, Legally, they're still allowed to. They're um, still allowed to, yeah. Practically, there's, there's still a lot of difficulty. There, exactly, right? it makes a lot of difficulty. And, uh, and there's so many situations that I haven't thought of. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to just kind of easily being able to work at home be around my young kids my wife my parents you know don't well my mom doesn't live too too far my dad does does live quite quite a bit further so that's been a bit hard um but you know for me alhamdulillah hasn't really affected me but i've not I, the more i talk to other people um i begin to realize that the like the situation that we're in with the lockdown and whatnot is much bigger than i thought and it's affected people in a much bigger way. So sorry, you were saying about how the youth that you work with have been affected. You know, subhanAllah, like one young person, he was stabbed. Um, and I went to the house. I mean, I won't go into too much detail because obviously it's, um, it's some of these things are in confidence, right? But the root cause issue actually, like he wanted to leave his house, yeah? Um, yeah. The root cause issue was the lack of control of anger. Yeah? Mm. And when speaking to him, like I really felt that I can't get into the scenario, I don't want to. Even though maybe I can, but I don't want to anymore. Yeah. Um, but his father really to an extreme level struggled to struggle to um control his anger. And it, and before lockdown in the last 10 years, right? There have been too many sort of scenarios of it, you know, um, to the extent that it's very bad now in lockdown. And that's the reason why he wants to leave. His mum thinks it's a completely different reason, but when speaking to him, that is the real reason, you know. Um, what I can say generically like the amount of people that are contacting us because a parent has been hitting another parent um, it's extreme anger situations um, they've been coming out a lot more in the last month like a lot more you know like every week there's a, f a few new more scenarios of that you know um, right. and you can see a lot of this anger like the extreme scenarios coming up. That's what I can say. Yeah. Um, and some of the things like we can't, it's not our place to deal with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
but we're there for for the children we're there for the youth yeah we're there for them they come vulnerable youth work for vulnerable youth still carries on and they can they can be a part of our community that we have here at least you know um and to be honest with you after the age of 14 parents don't really have a big impact anymore um it is the community um yeah. parents can just be good friends you know um that's what we've noticed but this issue of anger um is something that i struggle with personally mm. um is that's why i can it's something that's really like it hits home for me you know um yeah it's a real issue that i have to struggle with um to kind of you know, make you even, think like if you yeah. don't sort out this issue for yourself what it could potentially lead to exactly exactly um and yeah like we joke about tantrums and stuff like that yeah and maybe i might not do extreme things yeah yeah but even on a small level right i we need to fix up on that ourselves you know um this issue like of even, anger, do you mean like even like just raising your voice when when the tantrums are happening and and or yeah just not being that and i'm not talking from an extreme angle like you can you can discipline you can have rules you yeah. can have all these things but don't do it from anger mm. because at some point your kid will just and i see it with youth yeah they just see their dad or the mom as the angry one yeah right and they don't want to live in the same house as them they don't want anything to do with them you know um, it seems like it seems like ch- children uh can can cut through and see the see the emotion yeah. In all of this yeah. like you might justify it like as a dad i might justify and say that i shouted at that child at that time because they were doing something dangerous let's say yeah but yeah, yeah, really yeah. really it was done from anger like that child was maybe annoying me that the fact that they were doing yeah. that so much so i did it out of anger but i i tried to justify it in another way whereas the child i can see exactly. through all of that and sees that you were just angry at me exactly exactly and to be honest with you it's a struggle that I think I'm definitely going through it. You know? yeah, um, yeah. But I think the best, the first part is maybe seeing that, you know, like realizing that you have, but I've had an anger problem since I was a young, like very, <laughs> since I was very, very young. Yeah. Um, but even as a parent, you know, you, but you have to, you have to work on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But seeing it with the youth now, um, yeah, they just, they don't, because they've been forced to be in the, confined in the same space. They don't want to be, like, they don't want to, they don't want anything to do with their parents. You know, um, and from Islam, we're told to 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 um, obviously sit down when we're angry. Yeah, there's you drink, you drink water. There's, but the point is, is that we're encouraged to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you leave an argument even if you're right. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's many things that we're we're encouraged by. I think being a dadhood type podcast, um, I feel we don't speak about it from a family perspective. Mm. I've seen anger breaking up homes. Like breaking up homes you know like i'll give you a simple example i'm sure yeah like there's no such thing as a hollywood type marriage yeah, yeah. i'm sure you yourself and your wife have had disagreements yeah of course and even if it was the littlest thing yeah that you said whilst angry yeah yeah and let's say it was in the first year of your marriage yeah to your wife she feels that today she, she's never forget. even if it was an, an extreme thing she knows it yeah you know and, I, and i'm not saying I'm not an idealistic type person, yeah? We're human beings, you know? Yeah. We're, you know, we're all isn't it? That like we're all um, imperfect, yeah? Um, and we have, we're, we all sin, we all have problems. Um, so I'm not talking about, but we have to take this seriously. 
you know, that we shouldn't let our emotions, especially the one of anger, it, it's ruining families, bro. It really is. It really is. And even if the families are together and even if they have a stable household, just this anger thing, you know, um, yeah. I've noticed it in lockdown. It's come out. It's what we fast tracked and you can see, see it. Um, I believe it's something that we need to all check ourselves for, starting with me, bro. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. You know, I'll put my hands up first, you know. Um, like it's something that we need to work on develop um and if we can't develop it i think when they're young it becomes only harder because we haven't got the relationship in the older yeah 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 and actually so, what and what ends up happening is yeah. i have youth that you know their parents are like crying to them saying sorry yeah like why do you put yourself in that and, and yeah, we can, we should forgive. Yeah, and that needs, yeah. that's, a, that's a separate conversation. That's not a conversation I'm having. But why do we need to, need to put ourselves in that discussion where, you know what, 20 years, and maybe I think you've had a similar, similar experience here, but maybe not for the same reasons, right? Yeah. Um, but why do we need to put ourselves when our kids become adults that we have to apologize to them? Yeah. So we did that to ourselves, you know? Um, and it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm at the moment, I think, um, especially during lockdown, I've, I've, see, I've seen the negative impacts of it come out a lot more, to say the least. You know, yeah. um, and something we really need to take seriously. Um, this whole thing on anger, yeah. and even the opposite is what um, is what patience. You know, yeah. um, being patient, and in fact, patience is 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 a is a bare minimum. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't know, let's say your wife has given birth, right? So you're going to be patient. Like, that's the bare minimum. And I don't even like that type of language, yeah? I, it might sound, yeah, I don't like that language, yeah? It's, it's a bare minimum. Um, no, if your wife just given birth and she's been through that, you have to support her, not be patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Support is something completely different. And it's the same, I think, with children. It's the same with everyone. It's not actually being patient. It's further than that. We've got to support one another. Mm. Um, because when you when you say, I have to, if I have to say to you, Shreve, I have to be patient with you, it can be very negative as well. Um, but if you know that I've got your back, I'm always here to support you, that's a completely different mindset and narrative to your relationship with that person. Yeah, and yeah. if we have that in, I, I think so anyway, and people should do their own research and reading and asking, um, that if we focus on supporting our children to do whatever they want to do in life. Um, and I think as parents as well, like something I need to work on myself, actually, I think as dads, being a guy that's always got a solution. Yeah? <laughs> if we become that guy, that might be a practical way of, um, of um, anger wouldn't be an issue in that type of relationship. Sure, sure. No. So do you, to wrap us up, do you have any like top tips um, for fathers to control their anger? Hard. It's hard because, like I said, it's a battle that I'm going through um, yeah. all the time with life. Um, so, as a father, you're also a husband, you're a son, you're everything. Yeah. So it yeah. might not. So they might not all be specific to. Um, sometimes say things slowly. Sometimes stop yourself. If you think you're going to have to apologize for something, don't do it. Um, leave the room if you need to. Drink water if you're standing. These are things from the Sunnah, right? Just that it, yeah. it actually works. Yeah. Um, with your children, um, 
No, I can't. I can't really give. I'm not. I wouldn't yeah. be the right. And I'm not. I don't think I'm qualified to anyway give specific yeah, yeah. advice. Um, but one thing I can say is, is to try and improve yourself. Yeah, and for the person listening, that will mean different things. You know, and just try and improve yourself. Not for the sake of your child, not for the sake of your wife, not for the sake of your parents, but for the sake of Allah. Mm. You know, because our children are a man from Allah. You know, we don't own them. We don't. We're just here to look after them and take care of them, True. and give them, you know, the best, the best foundations to life, right? Um, but it's Allah who's the servants of Allah, right? Um, it's Allah, you know. Um, the servants to Allah, so they're in a manner for us. Um, so for the same reason, for the sake of Allah and really wanting Jannah, right? We just gotta just continuously um, try and improve. That that's what it might sound very generic, but anger the issue that can be very personal for different situations as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. Jazakallah khair bro I really appreciate You coming on Alhamdulillah I think uh, You might have the record For the longest podcast uh, episode Let's see Because it's only the second one It's already <laughs> beaten the last one But I feel like It's going to be the longest For, for a while Alhamdulillah But yeah Jazakallah khair again uh, I think It was an hour and a half If I'm correct I cool. think so So Kind of that, that went on for a while Alhamdulillah But it was good bro We covered quite a lot And uh yeah, JazakAllah khair for coming down again. And inshallah, we shall bring you back at some point. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see you in uh, some future bonsai trust workshops as well. Definitely, bro. Yeah. And some fundraising videos with some network. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to rope me into everything, man. Um, <laughs> 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 <laughs>